Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. Happy Tuesday and happy Lunar New Year to those who celebrate. And hey, if you don't, well, you're in luck because we're going to kick off today's episode by learning a little bit about the world's biggest celebration, the Lunar New Year. Yeah, we have got all kinds of good stuff for you today. A good variety, I think. So in addition to a little history lesson and some fun with the Lunar New Year, which started this past Sunday, we're going to talk about macros macronutrients, what they are, why to track them, a little how-to for our health and wellness segment this week. Going to really dive into nutrition a little bit for the first time on the pod. Then we'll wrap things up with some baseball. Going to try a little segment I'd like to call uh, Show Me the Stats this week and break down a specific baseball statistic, how it's used, yada, yada, yada. So here we go. The 2023 Lunar New Year is upon us, my friends. So what is the Lunar New Year? It's also known as the Chinese New Year. It is celebrated by more than 20% of the world. It's the most important holiday in China and to Chinese people all over the world. In China, you will hear it being called Chunyi. I'm sure I said that wrong. (laughs) Or the Spring Festival. That I can hopefully say correctly. But it's still quite wintry, obviously, throughout this time in in that country. But the holiday marks the end of the coldest, darkest days. I think that's cool. I am here for it. I am definitely down to celebrate that at this point. Ready for it. Home stretch to spring. Bring it on. People welcome spring and what it brings along with it. So planting and harvest, new beginnings, fresh starts, we love it. When is it? So another interesting thing that makes this holiday different than most is that there's no set date for the Chinese New Year. So according to the lunar calendar, the spring festival is on January 1st and lasts until the 15th, the full moon. But... Unlike Western holidays like Thanksgiving or Christmas, when you try to calculate it with the solar or Gregorian calendar that we now all use, the date ends up ranging from January 21st to February 20th. So this year it occurs on January 22nd as the start of it, but it can be any time from year to year in that time frame that it begins. The lunar calendar is still really important in China, even though the country has officially moved to the Gregorian calendar like the rest of the world. Still, all traditional holidays and days such as like the winter solstice are celebrated per this calendar. Some people even still calculate their birthdays and their ages according to the lunar calendar. The spring festival was originally a ceremonial day to pray to the gods for good planting and harvest season. So as an agrarian society, which means that their economy was very heavily, pretty much exclusively dependent on producing crops and maintaining farmland at one point in time, the harvest was of utmost importance to everybody. 
People also prayed to their ancestors as they were treated as gods. You've seen Mulan, right? Just like that. So according to one legend, there was a monster that would come every New Year's Eve. Most people would hide in their homes, but legend has it that one boy was brave enough to fight him off using firecrackers. The next day, everybody celebrated their survival from the evil monster by setting off more firecrackers. This legend is where setting off fireworks becomes one of the main events of the spring festival. Firecrackers are supposed to scare off monsters and bad luck. So people stay up on Chinese New Year's Eve and they set off firecrackers at midnight. In the morning, firecrackers are used again to welcome the new year and the good luck, all the good stuff. That same night, families also were, will burn fake paper money and printed gold bars in honor of their deceased loved ones. So this is kind of similar, same vibes as like the Mexican Day of the Dead traditions, believing that offerings will bring fortune and good luck to their ancestors in the afterlife. It is the longest Chinese holiday, the Lunar New Year. It is celebrated for a full 15 days. Since celebration starts on New Year's Eve, the day before, it's actually 16 days. Traditionally, during this time, you have to spend time with your family. And you can actually only go out after the fifth day of celebration. It's a national holiday in China, so most stores are closed. People have off work for like this whole 15-day period of time. The month before, because of all this, people are going to stock up on cooking supplies, snacks, gifts, new clothes, everything they might need because a lot of stuff is going to be shut down and people are going to be celebrating with family. The most important part of the Chinese New Year is the family reunion. Everyone is expected to come back home for the New Year's Eve dinner. So I watched a documentary on dailymotion.com that I got a lot of this information from. I'm going to link it in the show notes because it's very fascinating, very well done. But that's really the entirety of what the first episode of the documentary series covers is the importance of the family all being together and this major migration that actually happens during this time every year. Today in China, most elderly parents live in like the more rural villages of the country and their children might work in the bigger cities. So there's very much this spring migration that they refer to it as that takes place this time of year as people are traveling and making their way back home for these big family gatherings. Oh, so remember how we talked about on one of our like pre-holiday episodes we talked about nosy relatives during the family holidays here in the U.S. Yeah, we've all got them. We all love them. Seems like it might be even worse for our Chinese friends. Having children and passing down the family name is one of the most important parts in Chinese culture. And for this time of year, there are stories out there that some single adults might actually resort to hiring a fake boyfriend or girlfriend to take home. So those who can't or like don't want to go home for whatever reason in the country can will rent themselves out to be a boyfriend or girlfriend for hire. There's 
definitely more than one American holiday movie that is like based on this sort of a thing, right? For sure. So lots of fun happening. Other fun, I mean, also like interesting, I guess, (laughs) things that happen uh, that are traditions of the Chinese, the Lunar New Year, is that showering is not allowed on New Year's Day. So take your shower on New Year's Eve. Uh, Sweeping and throwing out garbage isn't allowed before the fifth day. So same way we all stay together. Nobody goes out and travels around until the fifth day. You don't don't clean up or, or throw anything away until then either because we want to make sure that we don't wash away the good luck. That is the theory there. They then dedicate the day before the festival starts to cleaning. And that's where all the bad luck is swept away to make room for the good stuff. Gifts are also a part of the Lunar New Year celebration. They are given and received during the celebration. And specifically, Chinese children receive these red envelopes. They're called red packets or red pockets. And they have money in them that is supposed to help transfer fortune from the elders to the kids. They can also be given between, like, bosses and employees or coworkers and friends. What a nice idea. I am quite open to that. So I, I am now accepting red envelopes of money if anyone would like to help transfer fortune and wealth to me for the next 15 years, actually. For meals, you're supposed to eat dumplings for every meal, which I... I'm also, I'm down. Let's do it. Every meal, every day during this time. This seems like it's somewhat evolved these days that mostly dumplings are just served for dinner and particularly, most importantly, for the big New Year's Eve dinner that everybody's together for. Chinese people also love drinking. They love to booze it up. In fact, if manners or etiquette is in place for any kind of ceremony, festival, or formal meal, there has to be wine. There must be wine. Another thing I can totally get on board with. With the wine culture, there are plenty of drinking games and all that good stuff, kind of like, sure, similar to what we like to do over here. There are fun and games, but the etiquette part of it is even more important. So when you're eating with someone older than you, there is strict toasting etiquette. There's a specific order to the toasts. There's a specific way that you are seated according to age and even how you hold the wine glass. Lots of little things, lots of little intricacies to the etiquette. Another fun part of this celebration is that red is the celebratory color of the spring festival. The Chinese people will hang up red lanterns, strings of chili peppers. They'll put red paper into doors and windows. All the fun that they could possibly have with red. New clothes are also believed to bring good luck and are a good way to start over fresh this time of year. People will add new red clothing to their spring festival wardrobe. And the last day of celebrating is the first full moon of the Lunar New Year. And this is when there's a big lantern festival. 
So though family is still important, this is the night of partying and freedom, the last night of the spring festival. On this night, actually like in ancient times, I guess, girls, like females, were not allowed to venture outside by themselves. But this night in particular, they were allowed to walk around to moon gaze and look at the beautiful lanterns. And because of this, this day, the last day of the Spring Festival is also known as Valentine's Day in China. I I don't know. I feel like this seems like a little creepy, potentially, to me. Send all the girls out there on their own for one night. I Hopefully I'm missing something there. Anyway, did you know that one out of every five people in the world is Chinese? And that doesn't even include the millions of people around the world of Chinese descent. Places like London, England, uh, San Francisco in the U.S. of A., and Sydney, Australia claim to have the biggest spring festival celebrations outside of those in Asia. So it is the new year, and this is the year of the rabbit. So we have talked about Western horoscopes actually on this podcast before. Western horoscopes include 12 zodiacs, one for each month. You've probably at least heard of them. But there are 12 Chinese zodiacs too, but they are for the year instead of the month. So there's like 12 years of zodiac signs. The animal zodiac is for the entire year. I read that some of the animals... Examples are the rat, snake, dog, and pig are not normally well-liked in Chinese culture. And I feel like I need to learn more about that because I myself was born in the year of the snake. But as a zodiac, it is said that the positive traits of these animals are bestowed on people born in that year. So the zodiac plays a much bigger role than it does in Western cultures. Your animal can decide your career, your health, your relationship success. People will actually plan like as much as they can, you know, when they want to have their children and what year to help kind of give them these distinguishing features and help them find success in different areas of life. This is the part that I actually would have never guessed that I thought was really interesting. Your zodiac year is actually bad luck. So of the 12-year cycle, your zodiac year is the unluckiest for you. So for me, like the year of the snake would be my unluckiest years. Hmm. So there are multiple explanations for this, but basically it is believed that children can easily be taken by demons. So after your birth year, it's your rebirth year, and during this year, your weapon of defense is the color red, like we talked about earlier. So just as you can decorate your home in red for protection and fortune, you can also wear red clothing. Many people will wear red underwear every day of the year in their zodiac year. I thought it would be kind of fun, like we did back in one of the first episodes of this podcast, where we looked at Western astrology and the fate of some MLB players and events to see what active Major League Baseball players were born in this, our year of the rabbit. Now, depending on what year you were born, 
because there's like multiple every 12 years is the year of the rabbit. You also have an element sign that aligns with your animal zodiac. So for the 1987 year of the rabbits, these are our fire rabbits. It is said that these rabbits never stop to rest and they are always busy with something. They are intelligent, but may abandon things halfway. However, they will still enjoy a good life. Some fire rabbits that you may know include none other than Lance Lynn, J.D. Martinez, our Paul Goldschmidt, Brandon Crawford. Good news is I'm pretty sure that Paul Goldschmidt probably wears cardinal red underwear every day of every year anyway. Lots of red to keep him protected from any demons this year. The rabbits born in 1999 are earth rabbits. These rabbits sail through life. They are natural and relaxed, rarely hurt by anyone. A long life full of fortune awaits them. Some familiar earth rabbits include Rodolfo Castro, Vladdy G. Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Matthew Libertor, Hunter Green, Christopher Morrell. Now, 2023 being the year of the rabbit means that those who were born in previous rabbit years will be in, let me try this, Fan Tai Sui. Again, sure I'm saying that wrong, but it indicates that the year is characterized by many fluctuations in luck. So when you're, you have highs, they're very high, but the lows can be really low too. Health, wealth, in particular expenses and safety are areas that the rabbit needs to keep a careful eye over this year. This year, however, it is predicted that the rabbit's career should see a dramatic boost with the timely help of one or more mentors. So keep an eye out for that. In terms of physical health, this could be interesting, rabbits should keep an eye out for past illnesses that may return in 2023, in particular if they work too hard for an extended period of time. You know what that's telling me? It's telling me we got to keep an eye out for Fernando Tatis's ringworm. I would, I would hate to see that pop back up. Mm. In any case, this should be a year full of excitement, prosperity, and surprises that run in both directions. Anything but a boring year for these rabbits. You can check out dailymotion.com. This is a documentary I mentioned called The Biggest Celebration on Earth for more on the Lunar New Year and Chinese culture. Really interesting, super fun just to learn about different places, different things, different people. One of the things that I think I enjoy the most about, like I've lived in very uh, urban areas in two of the biggest cities in our country in my adult life, is that I know people from so many different backgrounds and different cultures. And so some of my friends celebrate this, and it's just cool to learn more about it and what the background is like and what their experience is like this time of year. So sticking with that new year, new you theme, we're going to take a little turn into our health and wellness topic for today that I'd like to call Ditch Diets Count Macros. The goal of this segment is to share with you a specific actionable way to better your nutrition, to work towards healthy goals, and to spend zero dollars 
on resources that can help you do just that. I am not here to sell you a damn thing. Just want to help. I'm going to share with you a couple different online calculator tools, and we're going to talk about specifically today the MyFitnessPal app. There's plenty of other ones out there, I'm sure, but that's the one that I have worked with and I am familiar with. All of which are going to offer you paid options. And guess what? You do not need those. You just need the free option. Let me be your guide. So here's my disclaimer. I'll say it again. You know, I've said it before. I'm not a doctor. I'm not. I do have a couple nutrition certifications. I have helped guide others within that scope of practice. But obviously, everything that I'm sharing here with you today is general public information. I do not know anything about you specifically. But here's why it can certainly apply to you as a member of the general public. I'm never going to say I know better than you or your doctor on what is best for you specifically. Okay? Okay, great. So here's the deal. Diets drive me crazy. Most of them are weirdly specific, unsustainable, and many of them are actually more unhealthy, essentially in the long run, for a number of different reasons. Now, the only diet that I have ever done in my entire life was the Whole30. You've probably heard of it. It's a pretty popular one, or you've at least heard of the name, even if you have no idea what it is. But it is an elimination diet, and I did it just for that. I wanted to learn more about ingredients and foods and how to fuel my body to feel good. The only kind of issue that I've ever had with nutrition is that I have, I tend to get low blood sugar. So I'm what they refer to as hypoglycemic. And there's no specific reason for this other than, you know, my blood sugar tends to drop easier than some people. And when my body fat was even lower and I was like younger and thinner it was worse and I remember my doctor telling me to like gain weight and I have put on muscle mass since then and it is significantly better but this is something that kind of helped me figure out how to manage that even better so that was my purpose for doing it lots of different reasons to do it and there's lots of benefits to it but my husband and I did it together like five years ago he got chiseled I got bloated basically from eating a lot of vegetables instead of like rice and oats, which is a typical staple of my diet. Anyway, did I continue to eat that way after the 30 days and after the reintroduction of foods? Hell no. Does it still affect the way I eat today? Yes, it does. There are things like beans and corn, certain types of breads that I very rarely eat and I will never put back regularly into my diet. It was super easy to eliminate high fructose corn syrup once I did the Whole30 as well because I realized that there is always, and I mean literally always, an easy, delicious alternative that does not have that in it. And I just wasn't paying attention to it before. I don't... I think I'd ever really read a label before. And this, it's just a really good way that makes it less intimidating. It gives you some specific things to look at. So you don't feel like you're just crossing your eyes and trying to read some words, right? But, okay, this is not an advertisement for the whole 30. Take it or leave it. You can check it out if you want. My point is, I am adamantly against 
deprivation. So there is no like caloric limit or anything that is not part of the Whole30. And for the most part, I'm adamantly against limitation. Now, it can be helpful in the way that I just described to limit the types of foods you eat for a set short amount of time with the purpose to learn more about the way that you specifically react to these foods. But ultimately, you're not looking to eat that way for 30 days or eight weeks or whatever. You're trying to change your eating habits so that 80% of the time, you are eating in a healthy, sustainable way that, more importantly, makes you feel good and helps you maintain those stable, sexy vitals, baby. It is so hard to talk about nutrition without associating it with weight loss, but it is so much more powerful than helping to attain an aesthetic goal. I truly believe that if you make it your goal to best fuel your body, you will ultimately receive the more aesthetic benefits as well. And I promise you, we are all going to care about feeling strong, feeling stable, having good energy levels, being clear-headed, being mobile, all of that for far longer than we care about attempting to have washboard abs, which genetically only some of us are ever going to have anyway. Okay, yeah. I promise I'm going to actually get to the macros topic right now. (laughs) So with my knowledge and in my personal experience, the most helpful thing for the general public to reach and maintain the same general goals that most of us have, and that can be to lose weight, to gain muscle mass, to maintain wellness as our bodies change and age, and so on. The most helpful thing for all these goals is to track your macros. So what are macros? Macro is short for macronutrient. What is a macronutrient? These are the three categories of nutrients that you eat the most and that provide you with most of your energy. Protein, carbohydrates, and fats. I'm sure you've heard of them. These are the three things that are on every food label that you're ever going to see. Why track them? So when you're counting your macros, you are counting the number of grams of proteins, carbs, or fat that you are consuming on a daily basis. One of the biggest benefits to macro counting is that it's not a one-size-fits-all plan. It's commonly referred to as flexible dieting since you're eating real foods without really depriving your body. I mean, what a concept, right? Now, you will see dietitians who warn that there is more to good nutrition than just macronutrients, which of course is true. Counting macros says nothing about like vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, other nutrients that are often not on food labels, but they do play an essential role in good health. So here is where some nutrition experts point out that counting macros oversimplifies things and may not address like behavioral or emotional aspects of overeating. I am not alone in arguing the other side of it, that this simplification is actually a good thing. And it's one of the reasons that this is a great place to start 
and even end up landing for many of us. Think about it this way. Have you ever read a nutrition label? There's so much on there. It can be impossible to know even the first thing to pay attention to. Calories, vitamins, saturated fat, focusing on macronutrients is just a good place to start because every food we eat is made up of some ratio of protein, carbs, and fats. They are the building blocks that quite literally fuel your life. A good rule of thumb from my perspective, what I would say is if you're tracking macros, you're counting macros, you're also focusing on eating the rainbow, right? Which is something that's like you go back to the food pyramid or whatever, and you've heard that somewhere along the lines in health class. But truly, it's another like basic principle that can be applied along with this because technically you could hit all your macros without like eating a vegetable. And of course, you want to make sure that you're eating things like vegetables for all those other nutrients that they're talking about here. So you're listening, you're intrigued, and you're like, give me something actionable. Kelsey, what macros do I need to eat? Well, there are no standard amount of macros that a person should eat because it's different from person to person. It depends on your height, your weight, your activity level, your age, and your personal goals. But the good news is I can tell you how to figure that out for you. It's pretty simple. The first step is determining your daily calorie intake. The National Institute of Health has a very cool calculator that's going to help you figure this out. So you know it's in the show notes. I dropped it there for you. Go ahead and find it. This is super important because the other big thing that I truly believe and want to talk about here is that many of us are under eating. I said under eating. If you are malnourished, your body will not react the way it should to even the most basic principles like calories in versus calories out. So this is where making sure that you are getting enough fats, carbs, and proteins to fuel your body, just like any machine that we're trying to fuel, is so important. Sometimes we try to trick our bodies without fully understanding how sophisticated and smart they are And they adapt in ways that we can't anticipate. So think about it from the perspective of putting gas in a car. Gasoline is made up of different oils and petroleum liquids, right? Right. The internet told me that. If you do not put the right mixture of these oils and petroleum liquids into your car, I'm guessing it's not going to run properly. It might still run, even, but eventually... You're going to have to put some major work into it. You're going to have some major problems, even if you can't tell at first. Or your car start act, starts, you know, acting wonky. I don't even, I don't even know what an engine thing to be wrong with a car would be, but you know what I mean. So you're like, I'm putting gas in my car. Why isn't it running smoothly? It's not the right balance of the components that make up the gas that is needed to get your car to run. So it's not going to run smoothly. You feel me? Yeah. Whew. Okay, that was a journey. Let's stop talking about cars. You need the right balance of carbs, fats, and proteins to rev your engine. Let's go. So you got your calories. 
I'm just going to tell you because this is how misconstrued that I believe these things can be. I'm about five foot six. I weigh about 130 pounds. I entered that into the calculator that's linked in the show notes. And I set a goal of I'd like to weigh 125 pounds six months from now. It tells me that I should eat 1,977 calories daily to reach that goal, to lose weight. And to maintain my weight, I should be eating 2,271 calories daily. That's a lot. As someone who has tracked food regularly before, I can tell you that I will never have an issue feeling plenty full and staying under 2,300 calories a day, especially if I'm balancing my macros, right? So do the math for yourself. I would be surprised if you are eating more calories than what it's going to recommend daily for you right now, unless you're eating like multiple fast food meals every day, but I digress. Okay, next step. Now it's time to do some macro math, right? We're going to get those macro magic numbers. The National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine recommend that adults try to get percentage windows of these different macros. So this really just depends on what works best for you, your body type, and also what your gut responds well to. It says that 10 to 35% of your calories are going to be from protein. 45 to 65% are going to be from carbs. That's right. 45 to 65% are from carbs. Rack them up. Load them up. And 20 to 35% from fats. So you got your calories number, right? You're good. Unless you are working with a dietitian, a doctor, a nutritionist, or something specific to you, I'm going to suggest that you start with a breakdown of 50% carbs, 20% protein, and 30% fat to make up your daily caloric intake. No need to do that fancy math right now. We've got an app for that. Of course we do. Even after you get those starting numbers, you'll likely have to wiggle things around to find the ratios that work best for your body and, and suit your lifestyle and the things that you like to eat, right? The ratio that I found that works well for me is 45% carbs, 25% protein, 20% fat. Still well within those percentages that we initially talked about. I found this out because after doing the whole 30 as an elimination diet, I still had frustrations with gut issues and feeling bloated or just off at times. And I realized from tracking macros years later that something my body is specifically sensitive to is having too much fat in one day, too high of macros of fat. So for you, a 25% fat and a 20% protein ratio might work better. And as you track consistently, you will be able to see the trends that make you feel good. Okay, so now you have all these numbers. How do you possibly keep track? This might be one of the trickiest parts, but truly stick with me, stick with me, stick with yourself. Stick with yourself here because it's really not that tricky once you get going. You can use the MyFitnessPal app and you can do it for free. There is zero reason to pay to utilize this to track your macros successfully. But it can be tricky to figure out. And as you're looking at it, you're going to be like, Kelsey, it says macronutrients focused. I need to pay. You don't. 
I'm going to tell you. Here we go. That is why I'm here. I'm going to walk you through step by step on how to set it up. So pause this right now. Download the app. Make sure you have your calories and your macros written down. And then tune back in when you're ready for a step-by-step tutorial. Or, you know, listen now and then you just re-listen to it to walk yourself through it later. Here we go. As you set up your profile, it's going to ask you some specifics about your height, your weight, your activity level, your goal. Do not worry about being overly specific here because you already have the numbers that you are going to use. My fitness pal is going to calculate some numbers for you. And I am telling you right now that you are going to ignore them because they are incorrect. Using the same info that I told you to put in earlier to the calorie calculator, I put that into MyFitnessPal and it told me to eat 1,200 calories a day as opposed to the almost 1,800 that our original calculator told me. That is dangerously incorrect. My basal metabolic rate, which means the amount of calories that I burn simply existing. So if I basically just laid in bed all day, I would burn over 1,300 calories just sleeping. There is no way in hell that I should be eating only 1,200 calories and neither should you. Eat. So unfortunately, my fitness pal comes with like its own little trigger warning in that way. But please trust me and just ignore that number. Once you've got through the initial prompts, here's where we are going to enter your numbers. You can adjust it for yourself. There's a whole rabbit hole that we could go down of why my fitness pal is telling you a different number than what you've already come up with. And it has to do with all the different activity trackers and parts. Again, we're not trying to add those layers on right now. Like, this is it. Don't need to worry about it. Got to start with the basics. Step one, you ready? Got my fitness pal open. Along the bottom there, there's a blue menu on the app. To the far right, you're going to see the word more with three little dots above it. Click on more. Step two, here you see try premium for free. Nope, don't need it. You see intermittent fasting. Look away. Pass. Hard pass. We are looking for goals. Click on goals. Step three. Okay, now you see starting weight, current weight, goal weight, all those things you entered when you signed up. Doesn't matter. Skip on down to the second section. Here, this is where you're going to see nutrition goals. as like the headliner. Click on calories, carbs, protein, and fat goals. Step four. Now you see default goal. Yeah, this is the cruel and unusual default MyFitnessPal has set for you, and it's time to fix it. Click in the calorie box, and here's where you add in your calorie amount that you've already figured. So this is where I would put my 1,977. Then you can just adjust your percentages in the carbs, fats, and proteins to get as close to that goal that the macro calculator gave you. So I shared earlier that this for me was the 45 Carbs, 25 protein, 20 fat. Remember earlier we said that on the low end, 45% of your caloric intake should be carbs. I don't do a ton of cardio. So if you do more cardio, up those carbs a little bit. You can spare from the protein. All right. You're all set up. 
That's it. We're keeping it basic. You entered your calorie goal in. You set your 50, 20, 30 carbs, protein, fat, and you're good to go. All right, here's where, here's where the hardest part comes in. Tracking your food. The other tool that you're probably going to need here is a very basic food scale. Cost like five bucks. Get it on Amazon Prime. This is helpful because if you showed me four ounces of rice versus eight ounces of rice, it truly hardly looks different. But from a macro and caloric perspective, it is quite different. If you're lucky like me too, you might have a husband who cooks for you who needs to eat twice as much as you and he serves me, I call them Dan-sized portions. I don't need a Dan-sized portion, but the only way to know is truly to weigh it out. So you can measure things out like rice, chicken, veggies, cheese, etc. for yourself and add it to your diary. So if you're looking at the MyFitnessPal app, the diary is on that blue menu at the bottom of the app. It's pretty self-explanatory once you get to adding food. You'll see you can add it for each meal. It's pretty easy because you can scan barcodes and stuff. So even if you eat a lot of pre-made stuff, you don't have to like add all the ingredients together. You can type in chicken chili verde frozen burrito from Trader Joe's and it's going to have it all there for you. This only really gets tricky if you eat out a lot or if you are making more detailed recipes from scratch that you'll then have to break down and add specifics. For me, I eat like the same like potatoes, eggs with cheese on them for breakfast every day. So you can also like make that as a meal. So then every day I don't have to go in and add like the three or four separate things that I end up eating together. I just had to do it once and now that's my meal every day. So my advice would be to be specific, but not neurotic about it. If you go out to eat and you there's no possible way that you could know exactly how many ounces of whatever you had, you can estimate it, especially when you're doing it regularly for yourself at home. You're going to have a much better idea of what you're looking at and what your intake is like and what even is a carb, a fat, or a protein, right? After doing it for even a few weeks, you're going to learn so much about your natural habits. You're going to notice when you feel good versus when you don't. And you're going to have that diary of like, what did I eat today that maybe made me feel great or maybe made me feel a little off. You're going to learn how to spread out the things that you want to eat day to day so you can enjoy them in a way that allows your body to also make use of the food that you're eating. To track your macros which is the whole point of this conversation, you then click on the calories remaining section at the top of that diary screen in MyFitnessPal, and it's going to take you to a nutrition screen. Here you'll see macros over on the right-hand side, and it will show you the percentage of your goal of carbs, fats, and proteins that you're at for the day, along with the exact number of grams as well that you've eaten and that you need to hit as well. So the best is when you get to the end of your day and you're like, oh man, I need 30 carbs, 15 grams of fat, and 10 grams of protein. What do I get to snack on tonight? It becomes intuitive, like much quicker than you'd think to start finding foods that fit your macros. I think the first time that I did this, I did it really consistently for like two to three months. Since then, 
I will track for a week or two every now and then if I feel like I need to get back on track. But for the most part, I know what I need to eat to fall within well-balanced macros now daily. And then there are 20% of days where I still eat literally whatever the hell I want because it's a holiday or I go to an event or whatever. That's life. That's sustainable. So that's my 2,000 cents there. (laughs) What a ride. (laughs) But truly, if you have questions or you want to work with this and you want a buddy, hit me up. Slide into my DMs. I got you. It's just not as scary as it seems. And you will probably feel a lot better about it than you think. I recently had a a call with a financial advisor for the first time in my life. And I was like so intimidated. I put it off for so long. And at the end of the call, I ended up feeling great because I just was like had so much fear about what I didn't know or that I was somehow going to be in a really bad position. And And I ended up learning that I was in a lot better position than I thought I was and that I also felt empowered and knew what steps to take to keep heading in the right direction. So there's a lot of power in that in every walk of life. And this is a really big one that we all can relate to on some level as humans. All right. Whew. Well, we did make it to segment three. That's the good news. The bad news, like I need to tell you, I've been talking your ear off for a little bit longer than I I planned to. I really got into that macros thing. So let's do this. Let's introduce what the segment is, how it's going to work, what we have to look forward to. And then in our next solo episode, which is going to be a couple weeks from today, we'll do our first stats deep dive. This is going to be our show me the stats segment. Show me the stats is a segment dedicated to breaking down the different statistics in baseball. We'll talk about what the stat is, how it is calculated, how it's used. So, for example, the first one that we're going to tackle is the wins above replacement stat, commonly known as war. Today's game is constantly evolving, and so the way that these stats are used is two. Particularly this one, it's newer, It's quickly evolving, so lots of good stuff that we can get into with the wins above replacement stat on our next episode. I thought it would also be fun to wrap up the show me the stats segment with like a little fun stat fact because I don't know about you, but I am always so amused by the kinds of fun stuff that you see out there, (laughs) and a lot of them are like totally useless and you're like who in the world was tracking this and where did this come from like how do we pull that out of the hat but still very fascinating let me give you an example your fun stat fact of the week is this so remember how Aaron Nola and his brother Austin Nola they played each other in the NLCS this year for their respective teams the Phillies and the Padres so fun so Aaron Nola he's a great pitcher for the Phillies He has thrown roughly 10,000 fastballs in his career, over 10,000. Only nine of those 10,000 have been 96 miles per hour or greater. Three of those nine were thrown to his brother, Austin Nola, (laughs) bringing the heat for his bro. I love this one particularly 
because it is a statistic, it's analytics, but it's an analytical way of showing how the human element, something like facing your older brother in a major league game, (laughs) will affect statistics. Love it. Okay, I got a couple announcements for you guys. The first one is that next week's episode is an interview with a lovely gal named Katie, who I'm excited to introduce you to. She is an esthetician. She's a skincare expert. She knows how to make your brows look more fabulous than ever. And I want to open it up to any questions that you might have for her, just from like day-to-day skincare, product questions, anything that you have ever wondered about beauty. I bet Katie can give us better insight than certainly I ever could. So I'm going to drop a link to a Google form in the show notes, but also feel free to respond to my Instagram stories or Twitter prompts throughout the week, and we'll get some good info from Katie on next week's episode. And my last really fun announcement that I've got for you before we say so long for today is that I'm really excited to announce a collab for a new podcast that's going to launch mid-February. I am going to drop my co-host Twitter handles in the show notes, as well as the handle for the new podcast. It's called Babes Babes, and it's coming your way next month. Babes belong in baseball, and we're here to tell you about it. So we're going to launch the show with a little bit about each of us, our fandoms. They are not Cardinals fans, so you'll get some different perspectives there for sure. And we're, we each have our own like specific interests and passions within the game itself that we're going to talk about, along with you know highlighting women in sports, obviously, particularly in baseball. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you'll join us there once a month. And, and that's it. I, I think that's, that's it. That's all I got for you today. Happy Lunar New Year. Here is to a fresh start full of peace, love, and baseball.